Welcome to the Witcher Lorecast, where we take a look into the vast universe of the Witcher, such as the games, books, shows, and so much more. Welcome back, Witchers, to the Witcher Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, and always with me is my good old friend, Toasty. Hello. And um, before we get into today's topic, we did get interesting news for the Netflix show. Um, right. Who is uh, the actor's name is on the tip of my tongue. I see his Lawrence face. Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Thank you. I can see, I easily image him in my head, but like his his name always escapes me. But he's playing mm-hmm. none other than Regis in season four. Yeah. Which I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's very annoying. It's very annoying. I mean, we were going to watch it anyways because right. it's our job. Yeah. But it's annoying that they keep managing to do just enough to keep me excited about it. Right. Even though <laughs> the show is bad and I'm upset. Yeah. But fuck. Because it's not just like a, it's not just going to be a like, you know, Regis shows up like one episode and it's like a cool little like Lawrence Fishburne, like, you know, episode. It's like, you know, he's going to be part of it for a while mm-hmm. because of the Hansa. So like, <laughs> yep. all right. Yeah, it's going it, to they're doing enough to keep everybody intrigued into the show because they know their one main giant star left the show. So what did they do? Let's bring another big star to the show as a popular character. That's true. I mean, they're saving money on the new Geralt because Liam Hemsworth doesn't make nearly as much money oh, as God, Henry Cavill. No. <laughs> so, nope. He's look, Liam Hemsworth is probably lucky to be making what Henry Cavill was making off the first season, like per episode. So. Yeah, wasn't Henry made like well over a mil per episode? Uh, in the later, like the third season. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think because he was, I can't remember. It was like the few hundred thousand on the first season. And then the mm. they like, because I think he like was already unsatisfied with it and was trying to leave. They like upped his money to like, yeah, like a milli per episode. And it's like, well, crazy. But anyway, <laughs> uh, enough of the Netflix talk because we can do that when season four drops, whenever it will drop. Mm-hmm. Probably next year. So probably maybe maybe next year. Give it a year or two. Didn't they just start filming like they, recently? Like, they just it takes started, them a while. They just started production. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like it takes them a while, and like somebody gets injured, like from stunts or whatever. That that always is a problem because that's why it took so long for season two. It was like like COVID, but also like I think Henry Cavill got injured twice yeah. in the filming. So it's mm. probably all because of those, fu- the fucking logs he was practicing on. I guarantee it. Probably more <laughs> yeah. likely, but, um, where are we going with today's episode? Toasty. Um, like we stated, I think last week, we're going to, we're going to dive into the pantheon of the continent. Um, and when I say dive, it's gonna be a long dive. It's because like, there's a lot. If you think, there's a lot. Like, I would say this would. I mean, it doesn't rival Greek mythology because 
they have like a load amount of different gods for like literally mm-hmm. everything and little literally every little thing. But um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's up there though because there's a lot. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, just to start us off, we're gonna start off with a brief overview of exactly everything that there is uh to talk about as far as the uh the nordling pantheon in specific goes um it's divided into a few different sections <clears throat> so the deities we have uh asclepius Coram octera dagon dana meeb epona holdra creve lovani lithia Melitala, Morgan, uh, Nehalini, Paraplit, Sedna, Telowell, that's a, that's a hard one to say for some reason, uh, Ouroboros, Ve- Veopatis, and Verna. It's a lot of gods. Yeah, that, that's, that's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yep. Um, but that's not everything, surprisingly. Um, these other, this next section, I bet everyone will recognize this. Uh, they're going to recognize these pretty easily. Um, but they're like the mystical powers that are like in effect in the world that uh, kind of take part of that pantheon. And that is chaos, destiny, the eternal fire, order, and the white frost. Yep. Yeah. Um, Quite a few of those should be uh, pretty recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to both the deities and the powers, we also have worshipped humans. Uh, Adela, St. Elmo, St. Gregory, Prophet Lebiota, St. Plegmund, and St. Zoatham. Wait a minute. Elmo is worshipped here? Apparently. What? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> The amount of jokes it can make. Yeah, this is gonna be that's gonna be fun. A fun little episode when we get to that, right? Um, and then uh there are other worship deities. So we have Grenachora, the ladies of the woods, uh the lady of the lake, the Leshy, and Water Lords. We talked about a couple of those though, so we don't oh, yeah. get too much into them. But yeah, um, and there's a lot of information on some of these things. So today we will only be covering four of the deities. Because there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, out of the, what is that, four, five, six? It's over ten. Eighteen? Eighteen total? Oh. Yeah, there's a couple of them in there that are like whenever I was like going over and whatnot. Um, that don't have any information at all, okay. like or Ouroboros, zero information on them. It doesn't even have a link to what if they're pulling from like actual mythology. I'm pretty sure that I, sounds very I mean, familiar. So I mean, Ouroboros. I mean, and this is it's spelled with a U and seven O R O B O R S. A lot of these are spelled like differently because an Ouroboros. <clears throat> An Ouroboros is a dragon or snake eating itself into an in- infinite cycle. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's just in there because of the mask of Ouroboros in uh, Witcher 3, but mm-hmm. there's nothing really on it other than that. But um, I'm sure we'll. Uh, I think that's a thing, right? The snake that eats its tail yep. Yep. is like a 
common mythological thing. So yes. we'll get into that when we get there. Um, but for today, we will just be covering Asclepius, uh, Cormactera, Dagon, and Danamib. So we're going to go down in alphabetical order. Uh, so we're going to start with Asclepius, which in the world of The Witcher doesn't have any specific information about him, but is, uh, and it is referenced specifically Shawnee's necklace. Shawnee has an Asclepius necklace um, that she wears. Um, you know, of course, she's a doctor. It makes sense for anyone who's familiar with uh, Asclepius. Um, but we pull the information about him from Greek mythology. So Asclepius was the god of medicine. He was also the patron god and reputed ancestor of the Asclepides, the ancient guild of doctors. Asclepius was the son of Apollo and the Trachean princess Coronis. His mother died in labor, and when she was laid out on the pyre, Apollo cut the unborn child from her womb. From this, Asclepius received his name, which means to cut open. Asclepius was raised by the centaur Chiron. Um, for anybody who's like watching the new Percy Jackson shit, that should ring a fucking bell. Um, <laughs> who instructed him in the art of medicine. He grew so skilled in the craft that he was able to restore the dead to life. This was a crime against the natural order, and so Zeus destroyed him with a thunderbolt. Because Zeus is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is a crime against the natural order, Zeus? Fucking animals. <laughs> That's a crime. <laughs> That's how all the fucking half-breeds cover up. Mostly Zeus just goes around doing bestiality. He's fucking dudes. You're not dude, wrong. Problem. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, after his death, Asclepius was placed amongst the stars as the constellation Ophiochus, or the serpent holder. Some say his mother was also set in the heavens as Corvus, the crow. Uh, Asclepius' apotheosis into godhood occurred at the same time. He was sometimes identified with Homer's Pion, the physician of the gods. Asclepius was depicted as a kindly bearded man holding a serpent-entwined staff. Although he is largely absent from ancient Greek vase painting, statues of the god are quite common. And his symbol is the uh, universal symbol of medicine because his rod had two snakes that were entwined upon it. Um, or sorry, one snake. One snake that was entwined upon it. It often gets confused, just like I did right now, with the caduceus, which is the one that has two. Yep. Yeah, see, I fucked it up. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Greek mythology. There's something that is related to each of the gods. There's, there's so many rods with so many snakes. But there's so many snakes, yes. actually, in, in Greek, Greek mythology. mythology there's the everything. rod with one snake. There's the rod with two snakes. There's the woman with a head of snakes. There's the seven-headed snake, or however many Hydra. heads the yep. damn Hydra has. There's the, there's the shield with snakes. There's a shield yeah. that has snakes. There's the there's like a... a um, what is it? Scylla, who has like snake like snake heads as part of her and she they mm, like reach out yeah. of the caves and snatch people um this is 
There's Greek, a whole lot Greeks of Greeks like the Greek myth, Greek pantheon liked snakes. Yeah. So, but you know, snakes do have heavy like symbolism in a lot of different like mythologies. This is true, including Christianity. Also true. I just called Christianity mythology at me. <laughs> um. But, you know, without going into, like, every single detail there is about Asclepius, because there's quite a bit, um, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, um, go for watch him. Percy Jackson. <laughs> but you're not going to learn about Asclepius and Percy Jackson. No, you won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to someone who has a lot more uh, root in the Witcher universe, and that is Coram Actera. Um, so we actually have a glossary entry from The Witcher 1, uh, called the Cult of the Lionhead Spider. Coram Actera, called the Lionhead Spider, is a cruel deity who expects blood, bloody sacrifices from his worshippers. The Cult of the Lionhead Spider is banned, and there are but a few places in the world where its adherents can openly declare their faith. Tamaria strives to eradicate belief in the Lionhead Spider, and the cultists are tried as murderers. There you go, Ben. Good on your good on your home nation to to, <laughs> to be trying to root out fucking violent cultists. Hey, uh, there we are. Because yeah. we don't like cults. No, don't cults drink are beer. bad. <laughs> no, don't do not. <laughs> so the cults of the lionhead spider or Cormactera is one of the religions of the continent. The cult makes bloody sacrifices, and its priestesses are known for their powerful curses. Um, which, uh, to like note on that, there um, it was actually a, a priestess of Cormactera or the Lionhead Spider that Novellin got cursed by. Yeah, uh, for quote trashing the temple. Uh, right, right. Um, <laughs> Some scholars stipulate that the Dok and Wozger religions contributed to the creation of the cults, as many of their beliefs are still instilled into it. Yeah. So, Cormac uh, Terra is the patron for death, cruelty, and destiny. I have a feeling that's dark destinies, but... Uh, yeah, that does that pretty much end in cruelty and death. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, is worshipped by some groups of humans on, in the northern kingdoms and scattered around. Uh, his symbol is the spider web. Uh, makes sense. Uh, they're popular among people who lived through some tragedy, as well as executioners, soldiers, cannibals, or bandits. All right. Um, this is interesting. Yeah. Cannibals. <laughs> I mean. It I mean, cannibal, cannibals will believe whatever just to kill and eat, I suppose. But yeah. uh, I do think it's interesting. This like it's like people who have experienced like extreme tragedy, like where they say like sometimes the whenever something really dark happens to you, you have to embrace the dark or like lose yourself. So, right. yeah. um. They have temples and chapels that are often hidden in the wilderness or in other secret places. Um, and as far as a military arm, they have the worshippers themselves that act in that position. Oh, great. 
Yeah. Cultist who likes weapons and death. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the worshippers of Cormac Terra consider him to be the great weaver who weaves human fate into a great web. The web is constantly being expanded and corrected. Sometimes some threads are broken, which results in someone's sudden death. When one commits suicide, his thread is broken and he is devoured by Coram. Therefore, he is worshipped as the god of sudden and unpredictable death. His temples are typically full of human bones and skulls and lit by green fire. Hmm. The Great Weaver. Where have we heard this before? I mean, I'm thinking of the fates. Or That's exactly what I was going with. <laughs> yeah. We often do see that connection of like the the one who like weaves fate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> um, most worshipers are people who lived through some tragedy, like the death of a beloved or people with constant contact with death who love to inflict pain and suffering like executioners, soldiers or bandits. They're all drawn by the cult's vision of the world where death is a constant and even wanted part of reality. The priests are required to keep Coram's web clean by breaking the threads of some people. Meaning killing them, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, God. Yeah. Uh, the cult was founded in 1161 by a merchant named Ambrosio in Laredo Gueso with eight other worshippers. Soon, more people joined the cult, mostly members of the local nobility, for whom the new religion was something mysterious and exotic. We hear that a lot, too. <laughs> nobility joining, <laughs> like, dark religions. Let's, let's yeah. try this because we're <laughs> bored, and they get into it, and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, we see it so often. Um when the word of the Coram Actera worshippers reached the royal officials and the priests of Creve, an investigation was started during which many of the worshippers were tortured. It turned out that nearly all of the town council and leaders of most guilds worshipped the foul lion-headed god. Ambrosio and all the captured cult members were burned at the stake. However, many of Ambrosio's followers managed to flee and spread the cult to all of the northern kingdoms. This time, they built their temples outside of towns, in forests, swamps, or mountain valleys. There's little contact between the temples, and no organized hierarchy exists. Because of their religion being banned in most of the kingdoms, the priests wear no special robes outside of their rituals. They are not, however, as persecuted as they used to be, and in some places, they are even allowed to preach openly. Jeez. Um, okay. <laughs> we're off yeah. to a great start. <laughs> yeah. I'm Tay. This stuff is fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can see why they're not persecuted because they don't have any distinguished robes or anything like that they normally wear on a day-to-day basis yeah i mean they don't have like they don't they they avoid the typical markings yeah jeez that's oh god Mm -hmm. well um 
I guess at this point, it's a good time to take a mid-break from uh, all this dark and evil murder. Uh, and we'll probably be back with more. So, Because <laughs> uh, I see the next one is, and I'm pretty sure he's not good. Not good. <laughs> not at all. All right. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. All right, welcome to the midbreak of the show where we talk about everything with the lore cast or everything with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore of the Witcher. And here I want to thank all of our awesome patrons supporting us. Uh, thank you, all of you, even um, including our new patron, Jake M., who just signed up a couple days ago. Thank you for signing up on the Patreon. I hope you get all the awesome tier of getting ad-free episodes now. And if, uh, also a shout-out to our higher vampire, Jared M., uh, who gets a shout-out every week. Thank you for that. Uh, and if you want to become a patron and support us through there, you can sign up on patreon.com slash witcherlorecast, where you can get ad-free episodes or even join us the end of the month on a show uh, of Topic of Your Choosing, which is coming up here in the next couple weeks. So we got next mm-hmm. like two weeks before the patron episode, so if you want to sign up then... Sign just up one. J- just once or right before even the day of the episode. As long as you sign up before we go live, you can join us. And yeah, it's a lot of fun because mm-hmm. it, it gets weird sometimes and fully chaotic because sometimes we talk about our favorite deaths. Yeah. Or randomly somehow get off topic and talk about Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's true. God, that's fun. Um, Got to get back to the monster fucking. That's really, it's really, yeah. Yeah, right? I know. Crow, where are you? We we know you're alive we need Crow. now. <laughs> <laughs> you, commented on the, you commented on the Discord. We know you're alive still. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, go join us there, and you can also support us on a few other ways. The uh, Apple and Spotify, if you leave a five-star review on Apple with some words, we'll read it out loud the next time on the show, as well as a comment on Spotify, which we don't have any this week, which is all all good. And then uh, you can also find us on a few different Discord servers. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord, as well as the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord. Uh, both links are on that are in the description below. As well as you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Tamara when I go live for my other shows that I host. Uh, go help me out while I'm almost affiliate. So, there's that. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add to the mid-break? Uh, no, not me. All right. Well, let's get back into um, not-so-great deities. <laughs> you smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. All right, we're back. And um, like I said before and during the break... This next deity is not, not good. <laughs> yeah. So we, next we're going to talk about Dagon. I know. Uh, have we talked about Dagon before? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe yeah. I know. I think you and Tom mentioned him before, but I don't think they've actually like gone over him. 
Yeah, yeah. So this next part, actually, you get a little bit of a tiny bit of bestiary in here, too. Uh, uh, because uh, Dagon is a deity, but also a monster um, in The Witcher 1. Um, but yeah, uh, so with the, with starting with his bestiary entry, uh, th- that is not dead which can eternal lie. And with strange eons, even death may die. Powers older than humanity slumber in the depths where no sun rays disturb them. Gods and demons sleep in underwater cities awaiting their time. And it is said that when the hour comes, they will awaken and bring annihilation to the world. One of those creatures, Dagon, rests at the bottom of the lake and is worshipped by Vodyanoi and lunatics. Dagon is an embodiment of strength and fury, and when he comes ashore, he becomes destruction incarnate. Forbidden books like the Hymns of Madness and Despair describe the ways to summon him, for he can only be called to a place dedicated to him. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so Dagon is an underwater being uh Worshipped by the Vodinoi and a small sect of humans as a god who awaits at the lake bottom for the right configuration of stars so that it may return to land and wreak havoc. Since it is uncertain when this time will come, or if it will come at all, it wiles the time away, terrorizing all who live both under the water's surface and on land nearby. Uh, so a bit of the uh, like monster stats we have. Um his occurrence is uh, that he is Dagon is a mythical figure. According to legend, it rests at the bottom of a lake near the village of Murky Waters. Um, Dagon is a deity, so he cannot be killed. He's immortal. That the, period. That is the list of his immunities. He's immune to death. Actually, it's pretty crazy. Um, he's susceptible. Um, the creature receives energy from its believer's faith, which might be his only weakness. <clears throat> um, and when Dagon ventures out on land, destruction follows him. And as far as uh, alchem- uh, alchemical things, you can loot. Uh, according to an ancient legend, Dagon secretions. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't like the word secretions. That's fair. It's, it is freaky. Um, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is this is a thing in The Witcher 1. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird, like, monster thing. Yeah. Uh, Essentially, but, he's the Witcher's version of Cthulhu. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and there, there actually is a way to defeat him. Um, the assumption is you're not defeating him; you're just putting him away for a while. Um, but essentially, um, because he is a deity and a god and uh, Cthulhu, um, he is invulnerable to damage and cannot be killed by normal means. But fortunately, he can be killed by killing 14 of his worshippers. Um, the worshippers are extremely susceptible to the effects of uh, Samum, which stuns them for one-hit kills. Um, so yeah, you just have to kill a bunch of his followers and he goes back to sleep 
until yep. the next configuration of stars, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Which is bad for I, the worshippers if they're all grouped up together, because then if they get one bad, one person specifically to stop them, it's just one bomb and, like, have fun. Yeah. Uh, so a bit about uh, his biography. Uh, so deep in the eternal darkness of the abyss, powers older than men and elves lie a slumber, awaiting a time known only to them. When that hour strikes, they will wake and bring it into the world. One such being bears the name Dagon. Dagon's emergence is usually uh, presaged by a thick fog, impermeable to wind or sun, that suddenly envelops a body of water. After that comes a gurgling and a powerful waft of slime and rotten seaweed. And after that, well, no one who's failed to flee at this point has lived to tell the tale. When fighting in the fog, it is often difficult to estimate the enemy's strength. Anyone who has fought the monster hordes under Dagon's control knows this very well. Those beast numbers seem to double and triple when wrapped up in their Dark Lord's tendrils of fog. Within that murky mist, fangs and claws attack from all sides, leaving no room for retreat, no chance for rest. Some claim the more sentient monsters consider Dagon something of a deity, that they worship him, make him offerings of human sacrifices. It is difficult to say how much truth lies in this, though it is clear he commands not just creatures of instinct and herd behavior, but also headstrong uh, recluses such as ancient foglets and lessons. Yeah. Um, like I said, he's literally the Witcher's Cthulhu. Yep. <laughs> and we're actually about to talk about that a little bit. Um, so... Uh, he does get a particular write-up in the monster book um, that CDPR released with certain editions of the game and only a very specific area. Um, so not a whole lot of people have their hands on this thing. But luckily we, yeah, Ben definitely, Ben would. <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah. Um, so his description in the monster book. When it became clear that there would be a water god in the game, the choice of his name proved rather obvious. It should seem familiar not solely to Lovecraft fans, because Dagon, an ancient creature, is not only mentioned in the Old Testament, but was also worshipped as a water deity in Phoenician mythology. In The Witcher, Dagon is a minor deity and ruler of the underwater city. He's worshipped by the Vadyanoi and a sect of swamp, swamp inhabitants. His horns framing the head like an uh, oriole or, uh, bring to mind ancient demons, while the embellishments on his body emphasize that the Vadyanoi are a civilization of thinking creatures rather than another breed of monsters. Dagon's worshippers highly value precious stones, particularly turquoise. Hey, shout out. Uh, the Vadyanoi use the latter to make decorative elements for their artworks, clothing, and buildings. The eyes of Dagon's statue on Blackturn Island are made of this stone, which also appears in other parts of the temple and on the breastplates of Vodian mages and warriors. The god himself likewise wears turquoise-encrusted adornments. As one would expect of a divinity, Dagon is a huge creature, towering above his worshippers and humans alike. Only the Golem's model is taller. 
His limbs are actually fins, rendering him a great swimmer, but rather awkward on dry land. As most of the time he lays dormant in the depths where the sun does not shine, he does not rely on sight, and his eyes resemble narrow cracks. Dagon emerges from the deep only when summoned by ritual. And then there's a little uh, Lovecraft passage. Uh, With only slight churning to mark its rise to the surface, the thing slid into view above the dark waters. Vast, polyphemus-like, and loathsome, it darted like a stupendous monster of nightmares to the monolith. Oh, fuck, the monoliths are bad. Fuck, I thought we were free of them! Oh, (laughs) well, (laughs) shit. Netflix, damn it. Um, About which it flung its gigantic scaly arms, bowed his hideous head, and gave vent to certain measured sounds. Well, um, yeah, Cthulhu, but now apparently dealing with monoliths, so. Damn. We Back might see, we might see again. <laughs> we might see Dagon on in the Netflix show. Mm. <laughs> Dealing with the more of the monolith stuff. I mean, it makes sense. We see Dagon in Sirens of the Deep. That would be kind of cool. I don't know, or maybe just like a statue or something. That would be. <laughs> I mean, regardless, a reference of some sort that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what we have on Dagon. Very uh, a a bit of a unique one in uh in this list of pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- the last that we have for today uh, is none other than Dana Meeb, um, which some people might recognize as we start to get into this. <clears throat> um, so we actually start with a passage from the Last Wish. Through the grasses covering the glade walked, no, not walked, floated a queen, radiant, golden-haired, fiery-eyed, ravishing. The queen of the fields decorated with garlands of flowers, ears of corn, bunches of herbs. At her left-hand side, a young stag pattered on stiff legs. At her right rustled an enormous hedgehog. Uh, so Dana Meeb, also known as uh, Dana Mebi, Eternal One, Queen of the Fields, Lithia, Bloman Magda, uh, that's, dwarf, that's Dwarvish right there, if I ever seen it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, and Bloman Magda, um, often appears as a woman um, in depictions as well as her appearances, because she has been known to do that. Um, she seems to have the ability of telepathy, um, and she is worshipped by elves, dwarves, humans, and halflings. A pretty, uh, pretty popular deity. Uh, so Dana Meeb is the elves name for a goddess also known as the Eternal One. Uh, the Queen of the Fields, Lithia, and Blomengard by the Loman Magda. I can't. I want to say guard for some reason. Every time I see that, like, thing, I don't know. Yeah. Um, by the dwarves. She communicates telepathically with those she encounters. She appeared in the short story, The Edge of the World. In that short story, her avatar is Lily. 
Oh, yes. This you, is... You um, remember? Yep. When Geralt gets kidnapped by... Uh, I forgot um, his name. Not Ryan's. Um, no. No, uh, the, the elf guy. guy. Oh, Philandrel? Yeah, Philandrel. Philandrel. I was like, why can't... <laughs> I was like, I forgot Philandrel. <laughs> no. He's literally been in everything. <laughs> Like yeah. all of the Witcher Netflix shit. Uh, so <clears throat> he was kidnapped by Phil Evandrel in that one like town. Um, she did show herself to them. So according to the ancient book known as Physiologus, the enemy may appear during the summer and autumn, more or less from Beltane to Velen, but most often during Lamas. Geralt reads this out loud from the tome. Glimpsed she may be this time of summer from the days of May and June to the days of October. I would also just like to state for the record, the spelling in this shit is crazy. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. June is spelled J-U-Y-N. So I may fuck up some of these words because I'm like figuring it out. Um, but most oft this haps on the feast of the scythe, which ancients would call Lamas. She revealeth herself as the fair haired lady in flowers and all, and all that liveth followeth her path and clingeth to her as one plant or beast. Got all those t- ain't like old Fs. English Fs yeah. and everything in this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, makes sense. Um, Lithia is a goddess worshipped in the area of Doblathana, the Valley of Flowers, as well as in Kaidwin and Adern, venerated by peasants, beekeepers, and pitch burners, all of those who live off gifts of the soil and the forest. That's really cool that like you know, even like the pitch burners whose job is it is to like like process like process it into like a harmful thing still mm-hmm. like venerate um she appears on fields and meadows from may to october um but most often during lamas the feast of the scythe she looks like a beautiful young fair-haired maiden of radiant eyes wearing festoons of flowers cereal ears and bunches of herbs and flower wreath on her head surrounded by animals and plants bowing to her Folks do not build temples or chapels devoted to her. She is worshipped during Lamas when farmers sacrifice cereals, vegetables, and fruits to her on the fields. In faith, she would visit their village that year. There are also stories that one day Lithia would settle down with the people who would stand out from the others. Why, however, an eternal being that existed exists and will exist loving all of the earth and everything that is alive would want to bend itself to merely one place and one folk question remains unanswered it's the only deity that combines humans elves halflings and even dwarves in one faith even if some races do not worship her like the others they all address her with deep respect and for everybody who doesn't know, when they when we say sacrifice cereals, that's grain. Yeah, that's not like actual like you know frosted flakes or like nah, Cheerios. Bro. <laughs> nah, my Lithia only likes the best cinnamon toast crunch. 
yeah. No, that's yeah. Uh but no, that's really fucking cool. Like the like is one one of, if not the only deity that like all races like worship. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very a very cool, interesting. And like uh, one of the well, I would say two of the four we covered today that don't cause death. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I mean, she's all about the natural order. Mm-hmm. So, like, death happens when it's supposed to happen, you know? Yep. So, but she doesn't have a cult, and that's all that matters. True. True, true, true. But, yeah. So, it's also... Like literally, like the only one we've ever seen just walking among people. That's uh, also true. Like very few of like the deities we well hear or slash see in the Witcher universe rarely show themselves to humans, and if they do, it's like for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, like Lady of the Lake, like she appears yeah. to Geralt specifically for a very specific reason multiple mm-hmm. times actually if you play the games mm-hmm. um but yeah, so i think i mean obviously i think this one is a lot like you know we see this particular kind of deity in pretty much every religion mm-hmm. there is like the the one that's you know like demeter from greek mythology you know like who Sorry, um, you know the 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 goddess of like agriculture or the fields. Uh, although it seems like this one might kind of be a combination of like Demeter and Persephone, because it's kind of like like she's like you know worshipped by a lot of like the people who like live off the land or whatever. But mm-hmm. she also still has that same like like more like springtime kind of. So right, that's true. Hmm. Yeah. So ending off on a good note for today, actually. Yeah, that that see, we we have some good episodes where we don't end in like death and murder. <laughs> the Witcher games, books, TV shows may not it ever have good endings, but you know sometimes on the Witcher Lorecast <laughs> we have some good endings. <laughs> some good endings. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, um, and then you know, of course, before we head out shout out to whatever we're working on toasty um you can catch me also doing uh the cyberpunk lorecast as well as the cyberpunk red live play podcast cyberpunk cyberpunk vd that i do with the fumbling for an almighty crit gang yep and you can follow me uh as well on the holocron history star wars canon versus legends the final fantasy lorecast and the wizarding world lorecast all a part of the robots radio network so go check those out um lots of fun all my shows are getting boosted right now which is great too so thanks Mm -hmm. everyone um but yeah uh thanks for listening to the witcher lorecast and Stay safe on the path. Thank you for listening to the Witcher Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord, where you can share your thoughts, comments, or even experiences with the Witcher lore. You can also find us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast.